Today we begin a series of discipleship lessons from the uh, book of Philippians. And the series will take us through the summer and into September. And if you're visiting with us today, perhaps this will encourage you to return. The uh, book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison, likely in Rome. If we can have the second slide there, please. Years earlier, however, Paul founded the uh, Church of Philippi, and the gospel came to Philippi around 49 to 52 AD, some years before the writing of this letter. Now, we learn from Acts 16 about the beginning of the Church of Philippi. Paul was on his second missionary journey along with Silas, and according to Acts 16, verses 6 or 10, Paul and Silas, as we read there, were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They tried to go to, into Bithynia, Bithynia rather, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. And they finally reached the coast of Troas, where Paul had a vision of a Macedonian begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul discerned this as God's call for him to leave Asia and to travel to Philippi. Philippi was the first place in Europe for the gospel to be preached. So for those who have European Christian roots, this is where it all began in Europe. Acts 16. A prompting by the Holy Spirit for Paul to be in Europe rather than Asia. God initiated the gospel message in Europe. Paul, he responded obediently. And look how it spread today. So the letter to the Philippians church is one of encouragement. It's a letter that encourages a new disciple, an old disciple, one who seeks to begin or grow their relationship with Jesus. So as we follow Jesus, we share in our unity and be joyful that we are Christians, that we are forgiven sinners, that we are saints in Christ Jesus. So we'll read from Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. And before we do that, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit in us. Amen. Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. We heard these words at the beginning as our greeting. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. 
In our public profession of faith class, there was a certain phrase that I stressed more than once. And I've already used that phrase this morning. I also made it the title of this sermon, so you can find it in the bulletin. It's God initiates, we respond. Throughout the scriptures and in our life, we see how God initiates. God initiates creation, we respond. God initiates the calling of his people Israel and us. And what's the answer? We respond. You didn't do that very well. You'll get more chance. God initiates his church and calls us to worship. We respond. God says, I am your God and you are my people. We respond. God initiates his grace through his son, Jesus Christ. And we respond. You got it. Maybe I could say amen. It's almost 11, but I won't. Take a look at the cross for a minute. There's one on the screen. There's one on, uh, up here up front. Take a look at the cross. And when you see the cross, of course, it symbolizes what Jesus has done for us through his one and only sacrifice on the cross for all our sins. But the cross can help us remember other things as well. For instance, take the part of the cross that's the vertical part. And the vertical part, look at, the, look at that vertical part as, at the cross as all the blessings and promises and the grace flowing down from God to us, his people. The vertical part of the cross is God initiating. It is God's love and grace overflowing to us. And then we have the horizontal part of the cross. The horizontal part of the cross can help us remember our relationship our relationship with one another and with God. The horizontal part of the cross can help us remember that we respond to all that God has done for us. So the two parts together make up the cross. When we look at the cross, among, among other things, remember that God initiates, we respond. So Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11 Paul is reminding us that again, how God initiates, how we respond. And Paul enters into a prayer of thanksgiving for the saints in Philippi. Paul is giving God thanks because God has begun a good work in them. And God will carry it out until the completion, until the day of Jesus Christ returns, until that day that Jesus returns. Remember, Paul was in Philippi because God prompted him by the Holy Spirit to go there instead of Asia. So God is at work in his people. In fact, God began the good work in you. In each of you. There's a Psalm of David, Psalm 139, which reminds us how God formed us in our mother's womb. That God fearfully and wonderfully made us. That there is nowhere we can go to hide from God. That he is with us. He knows our inmost thoughts. He knows our deeds powerful psalm from David. In the New Testament, God knows us so well that Jesus says the hairs of your head are all numbered. Some guys have made it a little easier for Jesus. (laughs) God is at work in his people. He has begun his work and he continues to carry that work out in his people. And God will complete the work when Jesus returns. It's not complete at this time. 
Nobody has reached the point of full spiritual maturity. So everybody is on a journey. The lives of believers are a progressive transformation initiated by God, led by the Holy Spirit of Jesus. There's this story from a missionary. His name's A.J. Gordon. And he was one day walking and looking across a field at a house. And when he looked at the distance, he saw what looked like a man pumping furiously a hand water pump. And he watched the man just continuing to pump, never slowing down or stopping. And as Gordon walked closer, he could see actually that this wasn't a man at the pump. But it was a wooden figure painted to look like a man. And there was hinges in the arm to make it look like that he he was pumping the water. And then as he got closer, he realized that the, the man wasn't pumping the water. But the water was pumping the man. And this is what's called an artesian well. An artesian well is a well in which the water pumps itself. The pressure in the earth naturally brings up the water on its own. You see, when you see disciples of Jesus at work, at work for God and producing results, it may initially appear that the people are doing great things for God, and yes, they are, but in reality, it is God at work in his people that produces the fruits of righteousness. Recognize that it is God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, working through you. God will initiate the work. So God has initiated his love and his grace, his blessings and his promises. And we're not called to be passive. But we're called to actively live out all his blessings. So how are you going to respond? In this chapter, Paul talks about a few things, how we can respond. But one thing that he emphasizes that I want to focus on briefly is that we're partners. We're partners in the gospel. And being a partner in the gospel is a tall order. But all of this can be done because God is at work in us. First of all, as a partner, that means you are not on your own. So we acknowledge. We acknowledge that we have God in our lives. But Paul also recognizes the importance of partnership in ministry and in the church. We cannot grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ unless we have the church. We need community. We need partnership. We heard that testimony again this morning through through the young adults. Paul uses the Greek word koinonia here. And koinonia is the Greek word that means intimate participation. And we often talk about a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's important for each of us to have. But our personal relationship with Jesus is lived out and grown within the context of the church. Within the context of koinonia. In the context of partnering together in, in, in furthering the kingdom of God. In the context of intimate participation. There is this closeness, and it's active. God initiates, but we have a partnership role. And as Paul states, we have a partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
discipleship and following Jesus is not solely an individual challenge. Discipleship is a partnership and working together to add more and more to this partnership, to the community. As Paul states, we need to work together and be partners in the gospel from the beginning to the end. And that means in good times and in tough times. And there will be good times, but there will also be tough times. And I often mention to those who desire to make public profession of faith that when you do so, there's a target on you. Because when you proclaim Jesus Christ, that is big stuff in the kingdom of God. And those who proclaim Jesus here this morning, the devil hates you. The devil hates you right now. And there will be times that you feel that you'll want to respond in a way that you want to bail. And that you want to walk away from the church. But God's desire is not that we respond that way. Because we look to one another for guidance. We learn that, yes, we can disagree because our love for one another grows. Remember that horizontal piece. We keep our focus on God, who is doing good things among his people. Now, Paul was in prison while he was writing this. And that would have just sucked for Paul. And yet he was still joyful. He was still joyful. You'll hear more about joy in his circumstances as we go through this this, uh, book. He was joyful in his circumstances because he knew that there were churches such as Philippi who were partnering with him with the gospel. Paul knew that the gospel message was being proclaimed even while he was still in prison. And as tough as things were, God was still at work in his people to partner with him and others to bring one another to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Partnering together sharing with one another what God is doing in the lives of one another and in our church. Intimate participation. And that's why public profession of faith is so important in the church. It is to connect to what God did at your baptism. It's to share what God is doing in your life today. Yes, You become a full member of the church, but really, that's just a byproduct of public profession of faith. First and foremost, public profession of faith is recognizing that God has initiated a relationship with you and choosing to respond faithfully and joyfully to his love, grace, and promises. Public profession of faith can be and should be done several times in a person's lifetime. And if you have not responded in faith yet, I'm going to challenge you to ask you, what's holding you back? Paul began this letter. He began this letter with a prayer. And in verses 9 through 11, he closes off with a prayer of intercession. And we read, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight, So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What an awesome prayer. Throughout Scripture, we're called to grow in our love and in our knowledge. 
And you can't do this on your own. Because growing is done in partnership. A child cannot grow up to be an adult, the adult that he or she is called to be, without a family that nurtures the child. Discipleship is done in partnership. We need the encouragement from the family. We need the encouragement of the church, the koinonia, the intimate participation. Whether you're a child, a youth, a young adult, or, or somewhat older, we need to recognize the importance of the church. And when we refer to the church, this includes Sunday worship, but it's not limited to Sunday worship. Our koinonia begins on Sunday mornings, but it doesn't end there. And we need ministries and programs to be part of, to equip us, to encourage us, to help us grow closer to Jesus Christ, to encourage us to grow closer to one another, and challenge us to know and to share the gospel with our family, friends, and neighbors. We come together, we gather together, only to be scattered. You've heard those words before. When we come together, we celebrate how Christ was born. He lived on this earth. He suffered and he died for you and for me. He rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and he lives forevermore, and he will return again. And this is the gospel message that we cannot keep to ourselves. We share this, and we celebrate this in community. Today we heard about God at work through the four young adults. And profession of faith is a milestone in one's faith life. But it's one of many milestones which continues the process of God's good work carrying out in you and you responding to him by intentionally joining together in the partnership of the church. The church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. And as mentioned, sometimes the body is made up of broken parts because we're all sinful. And I know sometimes that the church hurts people. But more than often than not, more often than not, and I trust that this is true for you, the church can bless people. And may you find strength and encouragement in being a partner with other fellow believers. Being blessed and being a blessing. So we profess our faith. We share our faith. We recognize all that God initiates in our lives. And the glory doesn't go to us. The glory goes to our God. As Paul closes off in verse 11, to the glory and praise of God. So let us close off by standing together and giving our God a clap offering for who he is and what he does. Let's stand. Amen. Let's pray. God of wonders, God of grace, God of all creation and control of all things, we thank you, we praise you that on account of your great love and your amazing grace, that you have first come to us, that you desire a relationship with us. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your work in the lives of the young adults and in each of us, for your work that is done by the power of your Holy Spirit, for your work that is to bring about a response of faith and intimate participation from us. Your work that brings you glory and honor. We praise you. We love you, Lord. We ask that you hear our prayer. Only in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let us respond by singing the stand.